going to go out on a limb here and say that season two is going to be absolutely incredible because in season two, I have a co-host. Co-host, say hello. Hello. That's Caroline. She's now my co-host. So season two of Shareable is going to be a little bit different. We're still talking about people and technology, but we're going to go a little bit deeper, a master class. So grab your favorite pen. And your favorite piece of paper. And get ready to take some notes because this is Shareable. shareable my name is jeff gibbard this is my co-host caroline hello yeah i'm telling you we really got to switch that up we do yeah we do we should do some we we haven't really fully thought through how we're going to open up the show adam as our guest do you have any suggestions how one might start out a show in a unique and irreverent way (laughs) you know i i tap out of it i got my kids to come in and do a little entry sound and then that's that's it i don't i don't do i just say welcome back here we go Okay. Oh, that's precious. That's a good idea. Can we borrow your children? Yeah, we don't have any kids. We don't yeah, have I'll any get them, uh, I'll get them in a FedEx this afternoon, and you should probably get them, what, Monday? Fantastic. Do it ground. If you do it ground, yeah. you save a lot of money that way. <laughs> Deal. Yeah, I'm in the savings. So, yeah, well, they'll be there Wednesday. <laughs> it's outstanding. Can't wait. Uh, okay, so I want to I um, uh, take the path that we just walked on uh, but lost to the ether of non-being recorded. Um, I heard that your mom really likes your book. <laughs> Is this true? I well, heard it on Twitter from you, so it's yeah. true. She actually she said that she did. I don't know if it's true, but she told me she really liked my book, and I'm going to run with it. I was pleased to get somebody saying they liked it. And when you're an author, you're, you become very needy. Oh, uh, yeah. You need those, those five-star reviews in whatever format they come in. However so they happen, man. And, yeah. and, and my dad and my stepmom would totally read a strategy book that I write and they would, they would probably think it's awesome. Then, and, and they give me all the kudos, like my most recent blog post I put out the com the only comment I got on it was from my dad. And it says, awesome dad do. That's <laughs> yeah. all it says. So you gotta love the parents. My mom, I'm actually going to say hi right now, mom, cause she listens to this podcast and she live texts me while she's listening. And it's always just like, giving me her thoughts on whatever we're talking about. And when we actually did- And like, you have no idea what episode she's listening to? Well, I do because based on her comments, like she listened to the the one that we did about Facebook ads. She was like, really like the episode. It's interesting that you're the interviewer, but I have no idea what Jeff's talking about. So it's funny, Adam, when you were telling us just before when we weren't recording how your mom live- Live was like live texting you through the book. My first thought was that uh, I remember when Caroline's mom discovered the show. Oh my god! She was she was sending. I'm she, so proud you of know, you, sweetheart. Yeah. <laughs> hey, what what more do you want? I mean, that's, <laughs> that's a really good thing that you that we have our parents that are <laughs> invested in some way. I mean, some people. I my kids are practically doing backflips to keep my attention off my stupid phone. <laughs> I know you're talking about <laughs> mailing them. What do what do kids got to do? Yeah, Not seriously. get mailed. More specifically, I said I would FedEx them. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, get in the game, let's, let's Caroline. All right, listen. <laughs> if you're gonna uh, quote me, do it. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. Right. Wow. I, on, on the other hand, my <laughs> mom, I, I texted, uh, I texted my mom last week. So I, I just got back from Bahrain, and that's dating this podcast whenever it gets released. But uh, I texted my mom like, "Hey, I'm going to Bahrain, and I'm doing an opening keynote. And by the way, I was that's on awesome. NBC. Here's the link." And she was like, "That's great. The food here sucks." I was like, "That's all you got? <laughs> that's all you got? I get no kudos, nothing." Meanwhile, I tell my dad that like. You know, I don't know. I had a good day at work. And he's like, I'm so effing proud of you. I'm just so proud of you. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Okay. So your dad plays the role of our moms. Exactly. Exactly. Or Thanks, also dad. Batman. <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah. I did really just give him the Batman voice. 
All right, let's do a podcast. Yeah, okay, okay. Let's get this show on the road. Let's get let's get on track here. Uh, Adam, you and me are pretty much doppelganger soul brothers from another mother. Apparently, another (laughs) mother because yours actually cares about what you do. But (laughs) but you but you just wrote a book called Under Think It. Correct. Correct. Um, you and I are both a big fan of the idea of strategy and, uh, I think we probably have a lot to talk about there. So, uh, I think I want to just start out by having you kind of drop the knowledge bomb of your thesis of what the hell is strategy to you and why the hell are people so bad at it? Why, why don't they want to pay for it either? (laughs) A lot of questions. Let's start, let's start with, you and I should talk offline about that. Seriously. Uh, They they want it for free and I, I don't. I don't think because here's why it ties into the thesis. Uh, this is this is where I'm going with the second book is trying to really help crystallize it for people. But for Underthink It, it, it really came about listening to a lot of speakers and reading a lot from other uh, marketing strategists and just seeing how much gobbledygook is out there and how much, you know, we use these big words and we, and there's reasons why, and I, I'll go into that with you if, if you're interested, but it's it's impenetrable and even the word impenetrable like apologies i shouldn't say that i should just say it's hard to understand and so usually when you're in a marketing environment the first 25 slides are about strategy and they're so dense and it's it's walking through a, a field of cacti and you're just getting stung and you don't understand what's happening to you and you're looking around and then we expect the client to be up to speed understand what we just said after 25 words borrowed from academia and psychology, and then we're confused when they don't connect with the creative that we're showing them or the website or whatever the, the activation is that we're bringing to life for them. And then we're even more confused when they have trouble explaining it internally in their own meetings that they have to take our ideas and go sell. So underthink it is just about, hey, let's not be so highbrow. Strategy is just about taking information and making a plan. Let's boil it down to what the basics is. And so the book is really written to be a guidebook that anybody can open. And it's, you can read it. It's meant to be read quickly. It's very breezy. Uh, but it's, it's meant to be something that you would dog ear. And if you're stuck on a problem, you would go back to it and you know, flip it open and say, oh, I'm stuck. Let me think about this. Oh, let me look at this. You know, I'll use the nine box. I'll, I'll go to this tool. I'll go to that tool and, and really try to reset yourself. So I'm a big fan of frameworks and uh, finding simple ways to explain things either graphically or, you know, using simple language. I'm a big fan of trying to simplify things as much as possible. But I think we can all agree that sometimes marketing is super complex. And sometimes just in general, business is very complex. Thinking about who your audience is and how they might behave, how their behaviors are changing as a result of technology. Um, You know, how all of the pieces in your business fit together to create um, you know, a, a roadmap for success. There's a lot of complexity in that. How do you suggest to, how do you get around dealing with the inevitability that complexity is a, is a piece of the puzzle that sometimes things are just unfortunately very complex? How do you yeah, deal with that? I'm, I'm loving this. That's a great question. And um, I'm loving that. I know that you have the practical experience to, to know where the pitfalls are. So this is awesome. The, here's the deal the business is already going to be complex. We work with uh, Fortune 100 airlines and, and huge corporations that have a global footprint. It's going to be complex no matter what. Then if I layer on the potential for all the digital channels that we can use to reach those people or, you know, I mean, even for really obscure projects, there's just so many ways in and, and it gets even more complex with every step. 
that's why it's even more important that the solutions that we bring to our clients, and I mean, even internally, the simpler we make those, let's not start the project with even more complexity and all the big words and, and make it too complicated to understand because I know that it's going to get there no matter what. It's unavoidable that it's going to get complicated. I sure don't want that to be my fault right from go that people don't even know which way is up and which way is down. So a lot of it is word soup and just word choice. Uh, in the book, if you've had a chance to, to comb through it, uh, I challenge the editors of the book to anytime I used a word that was unnecessarily big to use strike through text and then substitute it with a smaller, better word. So throughout the book, right up till the end there, they were replacing words and calling me out and saying, listen, dummy, that you don't need that big word. Here's a smaller word that'll do the trick for you. I love that. There's, um, <clears throat> are you familiar with the YouTube channel Nerd Writer One? I'm not, but I, but I will it's right awesome. First of all, I think you're going to love it. I think the things that I watch on YouTube are things you would probably love. And I think vice versa, because I'm just getting a sense that you and I have very similar brains and interests. Uh, but on Nerd Writer, he did a thing during the election where he broke down Trump's speech patterns and he did it like syllabically. And he looked oh, at God, how he that. speaks. Oh, it's brilliant. You would love it. So I think that's an amazing thing. Definitely look at that. Um, I'm a big fan of using straightforward words, not using flowery language, although I do love improving my vocabulary and, and being able to use words like inexonerably linked and, or phrases like that or right, uh, right, extemporaneous right. monologues. And I love those words. They're great. But uh, then people are like, I don't know what you're talking about. And that, that, that gets in the way of us accomplishing our goal of well, providing you know what, usable strategy. Even worse, Jeff, they don't say, I don't know what you're talking about. So yeah. you get through the whole deck or you get through your slides or worse, you get back to the office and you hear that they had to present it to their CEO and they couldn't explain the strategy. You know, I, I think we, we assume that there's a level of candor and people are going to raise their hand and say, I don't understand, but let's face it in a boardroom environment, the smart guy with glasses is talking and people are a little shy or intimidated about saying, well, I don't know what that word means if I'm an MBA. Yep. So it, it's, you're not helping anybody in that scenario, but I'm, I'm like you, I default to big words. Um, I, I shouldn't, I, I've really been working hard to just speak more plainly. And, and I, that also helps make it more direct. If yeah. we take out flowery words and we take out, you know, we can just say linked. We don't have to say uh, inexorably linked. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's, it's a constant struggle because especially if you're someone who reads a lot, uh, watches a lot of very thoughtful things and things that are, you know, delve into complexity, you're bound to start using more, uh, you know, I don't guess, eloquent patterns of speech or, uh, you know, just a, a wider range of words. Um, but to kind of go back to the complexity piece of it. Um, so the, I think there's the complexity in explaining things and then trying to make that as simple as possible. And I think words are a big uh, piece of that. I think another piece that I'm, I'm curious to get your take on is that I think a lot of the ideas that we work with when we're dealing with clients, it's important for them to understand how the things work so that when they see the creative that you're putting together, they see the sort of work that you're doing and, and either see or don't see results in a, a predictable pattern of time that they understand why. So what I always look at is that, you know, oftentimes when you're building a strategy for a client and their businesses are, are complex and you are forming a complex strategy of how to fix it and then you explain it in simple language, if they don't, even if they look at it and they can read it and they can comprehend it, if they don't understand it, if they can't understand how the pieces fit together, the complexity of the ideas, it can be very difficult for them to take action or even to, to make meaningful changes in their business. 
Oh man. Yeah. And you see what I mean? Like, I think even deeper than just the level of like, can they understand what it is that you're saying? Can, can they understand the idea of what you're saying so that they can execute it? How, how do you deal with that? And that's why they don't pay for strategy. Uh, They don't understand. I just had this, uh, happened with a client who had a major program going on. It was actually a pitch, a competitive pitch that we won. And then internally they had some challenges with it. So they came back to me and and it was a creative pitch. So we got all the way through strategy, research, creative, you know, for the pitch. And after it fell through, uh, the client came back and asked if we could start over, just give them a strategy, essentially a calm strategy for uh, how can they lay this program into their already existing channels? So for efficiency and for effectiveness of messaging, how can they do that? And so I, I wrote a proposal on how we would do that. And she called me and she said, I don't understand what I'm going to get. You know what? And I said, well, you asked for a strategy, so you'll get a strategy. We'll give you a presentation of how these things all fit together. And she said, okay, but I don't want ideas. And the world is, you, you mentioned earlier, the world is so complex already. And especially where digital is concerned, where does the strategy end and the creative begin when we're constantly optimizing and the person who's running your Facebook ads is actually an analyst who's tweaking copy in real time, uh, optimizing everything to make it work just you know 3% better over the course of a month or two week period. You know, you're right. It's important that they understand how everything's going to work together and, and where we fall short on the, the agency side or the, the strategy side specifically is I even sometimes going from one agency to another, what strategy means is a totally different ball game. I was just going to actually, uh, I was actually just going to bring that up is that we're using this word, right? We're saying strategy, but, um, in kind of the example of what you said, which says, I don't want ideas. Um, <laughs> What the, what the hell is a strategy but a series of ideas of how to get to one place to another? And I think people are constantly conflating. I'm sorry, let me use a, a simpler word. I think they're, they're constantly thinking that strategy and tactics are the same thing. Yeah. Well, they, they, want, they need to bring tactics. Tactics are exciting. You know, creative is exciting. Those feel like the answer. And strategy just feels like the appetizer. You're just kind of, you got your spoon in your soup and you're waiting for the big the big surprise, the dessert to show up and get everybody all excited. So, you know, explaining to people, you're going back to your previous question, which I totally dodged uh, very deftly. I, I, I swung back like the matrix and avoided answering that one. It's, it's critical that strategy understands how the complex system that we're doing, especially with digital and social and how all those things are integrated, how those play out all the way to the end. And to be fair, nobody can be an expert of all those channels, you know, mm-hmm. I can understand them globally and I can understand, oh, okay, this, and there's a section in media on, in the book that talks about, hey, social is really good for this, digital is good for this, but even social, I can break up into a hundred different channels and a hundred different, if you just, let's just spend time on Facebook and break out their different ad types. They're all different uses and different, different uh, optimization rates in different cases. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, uh, digital is in it in and of itself in the marketing world so difficult for a variety of different reasons one it's constantly changing whereas like how long did print advertising exist and it was really just optimizing your copy and image but it was print advertising and in varying sizes but in terms of the direct response and the measurability of it 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 was nothing compared to what we have now in your 
estimation, the or, or just in how you see it as a strategist, does the does the additional measurement of digital create more opportunity or more problems from a practical standpoint of communicating with clients? The fact that it's more measurable, in, in my world, I've, I've tended to see that because it's more measurable, it's under greater scrutiny, whereas yeah. things that are not measurable at all kind of get a free pass. I, I absolutely agree. And in fact, uh, just earlier this week, we had, a, we had a call with a client for 18 planning and we were talking about, hey, we're going to... Uh, revamp your social advertising strategy. And we showed them, you know, here's some things we've been doing and we're going to do them this way. We're going to change this or that. And those, here's how they're measured. There's KPIs. Well, I'm sure you guys know Facebook is always introducing new ad types. Uh, Pinterest introduces new ad types. And so they both come out with some new ones. And we put those in as test and learn. You know, we're going to try this new ad type and here's what it's going to do for us. And it's going to meet this objective that we have. The client said, how do, I, how do I measure it? What's the KPI? You don't have a KPI there. And we said, it's so new that Facebook doesn't have a KPI. There's no measurement for it. It just gives you a potential reach um, up front and then a potential impressions coming out the other side. But that's your challenge. Your challenge is awareness. So this is, it's, a, it's like a TV app. And it was crickets. I mean, they were totally baffled and totally, well, hey, well, wait a minute. If we can't measure it, should we be doing it? Well, yes, sometimes you have to take a leap of faith. Sometimes, sometimes don't we wish that TV still had the reach that it had in the, in the 90s? Like we could just be on Seinfeld and have 97% awareness with our target. It would be pretty awesome. Yeah. Were you working with messenger ads at that, in that example you're talking about? No, it wasn't messenger ads. It's a whole new slate of, of ads. They have um, a new product and the name is just getting away from me. That, that is an all awareness ad. Oh, okay. It's not, it's not messenger. It's just a main uh, newsfeed pl- uh, product. Yeah. They have one that's like brand awareness. They have another that's for reach and then they have, um, I forget the other ones, Yo, but this yeah, is re- yeah. This is recall part of the recall. Oh yeah. 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 The brand recall ones. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. That, those are the brand awareness ads and they say like the, the estimated brand lift, right? That's like the, that's right. And yeah, and estimated and there's no real KPI for it. And we've, we've already been using those. There's a, there's a evolved version of it that has even less information around it. But. Yeah. And, and you explain that to a client. You're like, oh, well, we think that there's a 2% greater chance that people will recall your ad if asked about it three days later. And they're like, who freaking cares? What is that? But well, sometimes you need to do it and you need to bake it into the overall strategy. That's it. That's it. And, and how, do, how we explain that, you know, looking back at that, that conversation, we probably didn't hit up front hard enough in the strategy section of the presentation our objectives well, are recall and you know brand awareness and and the unaided awareness. Yeah, let me ask you this: How do you deal with the the actual? This is actually a really interesting path for us to go down. I'm kind of glad that we just happened to get here. But yeah, sure. Uh, how do you deal with some of the complexities of actually explaining how these things work? So let me let me set up the question better. Um, if you're going to run like, say like a multi-tier Facebook campaign, you run a video ad or something like that, and then you're going to retarget people who've watched a percentage of it. And you want those people to visit a website because you retarget them with a blog post ad. And then after that, you're going to retarget those people who then maybe engage with messenger bot, eventually come to X, Y, and Z, and then blah, blah, blah. Maybe enter an email drip sequence or whatever. So you build out this whole sort of network, a complex idea of how people move through this funnel or whatever. How do you deal with the because I'm asking because I don't know how to deal with this. How do you deal? <laughs> how do you deal with the fact that when you say we're going to run Facebook ads, the client thinks 
pretty much like the boost button or they just have no idea what goes into no, it. So they think that like putting the ad together is like that. Like we're running 50 different variations of headlines and, and images to try things. And they think it's just yeah, turn it on. Like, how do you do it? Do you explain it to them? Because then you kind of overwhelm them with it. Or do you just kind of set very reasonable expectations? Like, how are you dealing with that? Yeah. So uh, we should talk offline. I'll give you the top line answer that, that your guests will uh, get something out of, but we can definitely go deeper in the weeds. I'm no expert in, in social advertising or any media. I know media enough to uh, help create a strategy and ask mm -hmm. questions of my team, but we would create a flow that shows uh, that path that we're trying to create. Mm -hmm. And then what we've been doing is we what we learned is if I put that whole flow into a presentation for a campaign, for example, that is going to shit the bed. That is going to bomb. So they're not going to be able to comprehend that crazy flow and then remember however many slides later, even next slide, the complexity that we just showed them, at that point, they just go, oh, okay, that's an ad and it's on Facebook, so it must be simple. So what we've been doing is letting our, uh, we have, just awesome staff here at Santi. We just, we've been introducing them and letting them have regular meetings that are more educational where the staff goes and says, not really a training, but more like show and tell where we say, okay, this is what it is. And you think it's this, but let me show you how all the possibilities. When I say we're going to do a Facebook ad, it's not a like ad. You know, some clients still think that's what we're trying to do. And we mm -hmm. haven't been buying like ads in forever. Um, so we'd get ahead of it by having some of those conversations and trying to educate the clients on the, the finer points and the, the downstream stuff ahead of time. And then when we're talking strategy, hopefully some of that stuff's retained, or at least they've got the confidence in the analyst or the media person that they say, Oh, okay. I don't need to understand it, which is the truth because I know that, you know, that person, Christina is all over it. So I trust her. She's got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like that idea of educating them and showing them and actually walking them through it. So you give them the opportunity to understand it if they want to. And then otherwise, you at least let them see kind of how the sausage is made. So they're like, oh, I see. There's more to making sausage than going to the grocery store. I'll just let you make sausage. Yeah, and I haven't had a client yet that said this isn't interesting or I, I didn't learn something or let's not do that again. They say, hey, what, what else can you – what else are you guys doing that you could show us? They, they want to learn. And um, – they, they want to be up to speed. And, you know, here at, at Santi, our whole position is about change. You know, we don't, we embrace change. We charge headlong into change. That's how we help our clients. You know, that's our, that's our agency position. That's about staying ahead of these products. When Facebook has a new ad type, we're testing it. As soon as they let us, we're trying to test it uh, with a tiny, teeny, tiny bit of budget so we can learn and then bring that information to our clients and say, hey, you can skip this one which mm -hmm. is their favorite thing to hear. Oh, I've been reading all about Snapchat ads. Snapchat ads. Do I really need to drop 150K on that? No, you don't. Not for you. You know, it's for this type of client. Let me tell you why you would want to use it, but, but for you guys, you don't need to. That's awesome. I, one of the, probably the best things I've done in years, uh, particularly in public speaking, like when I've had a, a speaking engagement, I found that with a particular type of audience, generally a little bit older business people, not in marketing, not in digital. I found one of the best things I can do. I have a slide uh, where I tell them that I absolve them from worrying that like, <laughs> like I, I literally say, I'm going to take your fear away because here are all of the things that you don't need to worry about. Well, that's it. I mean, you're, that's what you're trying to do is, is you're not using the, the big words that we use in strategy and the big, the, the real complex uh, 
constructs that are part of strategy are making them more tense. It doesn't make them feel as if, oh, okay, these guys got it. They're, they're looking at it like a puzzle to be solved and they're getting tense because they probably don't understand everything until we walk through it and even sometimes after if we haven't done our job very well. So absolving them of worry or saying, hey, this is off of you. Like, don't, you're, you're paying us. Let us handle and please ask questions. Just batter us with questions and you're going to ask questions and, and we'll know 90% of them and there'll be 10 that we don't know and that's great. We love it. Please, you know, we try to make all of our presentations we invite people to make them conversations and some, some groups do better with that than others. Do you ever worry that if you make it too simple, they're going to think, Oh, why didn't you, even, why did I even pay for this? Because I, I think as a, a great strategist can take something that is incredibly complex and boil it down into some very simple step-by-step sort of um, you know, steps, I guess. Um, and, and really explain things very clearly and simply, but the danger in doing that I sometimes see is that if it seems too simple, then they wonder what they got for their money. You know, if we're charging, you know, ten to twenty thousand dollars to do strategy work for a client, you know, I think they want to see like a strategy deck. I don't, I don't think they want us to come in and be like, well, your answer is really simple. You just do these five to ten things, and that's where you right. work. You know. Well, yeah, absolutely. That's what the appendix is for. So <laughs> we've we've graduated from that. I mean, I'm I'm new at strategy relatively. So I was a uh, I came up as a creative. I was an art director. Uh, and a creative director, and then I got an opportunity here um, at Santi to come back in this strategy role and build out a team, and it's it's been amazing. And in my first couple years, it was shock and awe of slides and data points and research and you know 80, 90 slides. It's ridiculous. And we finally, and I part of that in my to me looking back now was probably insecurity and in making sure. Well, I want them to know that I know everything. Mm-hmm. And now we've gotten to a point with the with the type of clients we're talking to we're you know at the c level we're showing them 15 16 slides hey here's the logic slide one slide two slide three very simple and there's an appendix of 150 slides and i can speak to any of these things that you want to know about if you want to get into the research and you want to dig in or you want to see analytics and you want to go into that love to do that and i would love to nerd out on that stuff with you but to make the best use of your time, here's what we boiled it down to. And you have to know what to, how to edit. You know, creating presentations, and I just did a presentation on better present, presenting here at the agency, is really about, it's an editing assignment. It's a writing assignment. You're trying to figure out what stays in and what gets cut out. And, you know, I was thinking about The, the Sixth Sense. That movie really is just clever editing because there's plenty of scenes in there where two seconds after the the scene is cut the woman definitely would have asked bruce willis like hey what are you doing in my kitchen if he wasn't a ghost but when you're watching it it's edited so cleverly that at the end there's a big reveal and you're surprised it's the same thing with spoilers man you have to warn for that (laughs) (laughs) yeah totally i think i think we're past the statute of limitations on that the red balloon gave it all away so you should already have known that all right fair um, do your clients actually read your strategies or is it about, I, I, let me back up. We found over the course of doing strategy for six or so years now that, um, we put a lot of time and effort into these strategies and we give them to the clients and oftentimes they go, Oh, well, that's very nice. And then they just put it up on a shelf and they don't read it. So we have taken to kind of confront that by doing a strategy session where we kind of explain here, are the things that are going on in the strategy. Here's what we're going to do next. Here's what the next steps are. Yada, yada, yada. Um, what's what's your approach 
to delivering strategy to a client? Is there an expectation that they're actually going to look at the document? Do you care? Do you not care? Are you insistent that they look at it? Do you walk them through it? Like, how do you go about making sure that the, the strategy actually lands? Well, that's, it varies by client. So relationships with clients are just, they're, because humans are involved, they're all different. And I prefer that they are not just recipients of a strategy, but that they're participants and that they get a vote and that they, I want to hear their voice. I want to see what they're, I want to see their face when I'm, when we're presenting it uh, or get feedback from them once we presented it. There are clients that, you know, really don't care and they just want to see the creative and amen. But I'm, we're really lucky here to be a very, very integrated shop. So the creative team and the strategy team, it can always be better, but we do work very closely together and have a healthy amount of integration. Uh, And I think the media team too. So even for those clients that don't get the media present or the strategy presentation, they still get the strategy in some form or another. We, we don't run into too many times where we're showing work or showing media where they say, well, wait a minute, this is out of left field. Why are you doing this way? They, they're usually nodding along and understand why we're taking the approach we take. Uh, and part of that is, and I don't know how you feel about this. I would love to hear your feedback. I, I believe so strongly in personas and doing the work to understand our target audiences so thoroughly that even if you don't understand the strategy, you know you're this audience that you're talking to and we create fictional names and we, we write a short story about them that brings them to life and we, you know, well beyond typical demographic stuff. Uh, and when everybody understands who we're talking to, oh no, we're talking to Laura today. This, this campaign is not for John, this is for Laura that even if they don't get the strategy, I can hold up that picture of Laura or the creative director can hold up that, that picture and say, remember, this is all about her and this is her big uh, passion point that's you know, really critical to her. And uh, I think if, when, they, when everybody agrees on some foundational stuff, sometimes even the creative brief is, is window dressing when we have a really strong strategic foundation. So here's my take on the persona thing. I think, and, and I think you set it up nicely for what my perspective is on it. I think that it's an excellent tool. I think they can be used as a shortcut uh, that's very, very effective, especially when dealing with a large team. It kind of puts a face to the objective. Um, there was a quote by a guy named Tom Webster. I don't know if you know Tom Webster from Edison Research, but he's uh, the co-host of The Marketing Companion. And his quote on the, the subject was, um, uh, personas are a shortcut for work you didn't do. And his, his meaning behind that, if I'm interpreting it correctly, is that we live in an age where uh, everybody is an individual. They're not, even Laura is not a real, there's no Laura. There's just someone who may have some of the characteristics of Laura and somebody else. It's like an amalgam of a bunch of different people. And we're moving more and more towards personalization at scale. And as a result, the, the idea of personas, while useful, also is not, will not be as effective as scaling a one-to-one relationship over and over and over and over again and dealing with each customer with exactly what it is that they need. Now, that's incredibly difficult to do, and so it's incredibly complex. So again, I think personas are a super useful tool, and I think that personas, by comparison to companies who don't even have any idea who they're targeting, Personas are a, a massive step in the right direction. So I think that there's like a, um, a, a giant uh, spectrum of, of effectiveness from we don't know who the hell we're talking to, to we know we are literally talking to Lauren and we know her first and last name, et cetera, and what she likes and every bit of personalization, her dog's name and her kid's birthdays, et cetera. 
No, that's that, kind of my that, take on it. No, that makes sense. Our personas are, we actually do a lot of uh, primary research to figure out who we are, but it is, it's an, it's uh, an amalgamated persona based on hundreds, thousands, millions of people that fit into a, a persona type. That's yeah, true. totally. I mean, we use them all the time. And, and like when we're doing social advertising and everything, like we can't advertise to Lauren, first name, last name, outside of custom audiences. But when we're putting together an ad, we can't put together an ad for one person. So, you know, I think um, my, my, my point on that is not to say that personas suck. It's to say that personas are really great tools, but I think we're moving in a direction and eventually we're going to get to the point, especially with artificial intelligence, where we may be able to actually deal with people one-to-one at scale, but you know, not, not sure where it'll wind up going or how soon we'll get there. And even yeah, if we want that. Yeah. Well, that's, that's another good question. I don't, we're, in my opinion, we're far from that. Uh, yeah. We're still a ways away from that. There are some people on the cutting edge of that and there's some products where it's, where it makes more sense than mm-hmm. others. But uh, for the most part, I think we can still apply some generalizations that are still uh, productive and effective. And then, you know, as different tools come, we always evaluate them. We're, we spend a lot of time on demo calls, which are just delightful, uh, and seeing new tools and new technologies. And, and I haven't seen, for our clients that are mostly retail, I haven't seen anything in the, the personalization space yet that made me say, oh, okay, it's, it's prime time. Uh, and and we're just not that far forward on that yeah. CRM stuff. If you're a direct a direct marketer, it's it's a lot further along. Yeah, there needs to be some sort of machine learning to help with that because otherwise, like I'm even thinking of something like a messenger bot, right? The messenger bots are always going to be until we have artificial intelligence populating. It's all going to be a, a factor of what you put into that series of sequences, what questions you ask, what, uh, you know, what, what pathways you lead them down. So, um, and, and that would feel to me like one of the more personalized marketing touches that you could possibly do. So yeah, it, I, I agree with you. We're probably a ways off from it. Um, but even, even in the, you know, conversational commerce world, we're still starting with a persona to create those, uh, you know, conversation threads. What, what would this person say next? or what questions might they likely have and you're just drawing from different databases it's not it's still based on uh bigger pers- uh, personas to date now ultimately can it can it get more specific I, I don't know how much more more specific it'll still come from some kind of an faq research that or resource that is all pulled in dynamically uh, but yeah it, we're i think we're still a ways away yeah. Well, I want to uh, pivot real quick back to your book, Underthink It, and talk a little bit about that because um, I know that uh, our podcast here, uh, we're running close to our, our limit of time. I know you got to run to have a really, really brilliant guy on your podcast. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, take me through a little bit the the premise behind Underthink It, and, and if you could, as part of that, both for my benefit and for yours, um, for the audience that is, uh, why should people give a crap about strategy? Why should they pay for it? Why should they hire experts? Why should they trust experts? You know, really, why the book? Why strategy? Take us through it. Awesome. Uh, I was uh, tasked with creating or training, better training my team. So what's beautiful and problematic about the strategy team here at Santi is that nobody has a traditional planning background. So we've all come from different places, from publishing or from the brand side. Um, and like I said, I was a creative and as I started to, I just said, all right, I'll just go Google, I'll Google something and I'll find a conference, you know, I'll send them to Stratfest and they'll come out the other side as experienced planners. 
And I realized there's no resource. There's, there is no textbook for this. There is no conference. There's no, and so I started reaching out to planners and strategists that I know and saying, Hey, how do you train your team? And they all, they all responded and said, when you find it, tell me, I need it. So I, that, that was a light bulb for me where I said, okay, maybe this doesn't exist. And I started just saving bookmarks and, and keeping track of, of all the different resources I was finding. And I really couldn't find one comprehensive thing that, that would walk someone through A to Z of, okay, we're going to start with a client. What happens? The book is meant to be that guidebook that gives you access to all the steps that you take when you're developing a strategy for a brand starting at the foundational level. So if we want to do brand strategy and we really want to understand where the brand lives all the way through the campaign level, you know, okay, we have this relationship with this client. We understand what the brand is. What do we want to do in this specific case? There's a demo brief in here. Uh, and it's, it's really meant to be a, a part of a toolkit, I guess, you know, you can read it and, it's a pretty fun read. Most of the feedback I've gotten is that it's it's uh, insightful but not heavy, which was which was the goal. So yeah, it's a high compliment for a strategist. Yeah, I, I I worked really hard to minimize it and to make it less uh, uh, just dense. You know, I've read some books and books I really love, and I was trying to make it something that uh, younger strategists could breeze through and learn, and older strategists would read and nod their head and say, oh, yeah, 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 this is a good idea, and I, I already knew it, but I haven't thought about it in a while. And so I, I think the book is valuable uh, for both those levels, for both those reasons. Excellent, excellent. Well, I, uh, as somebody who tries to teach strategy to my team all the time, I can agree. I don't know exactly how I would go about doing it, so I appreciate that you you stopped, you took the time, you thought about it, and put together a framework of how to do that. I usually just kind of like brain dump on them and hope that they pick stuff up. Yeah, it's 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 the com the concepts behind strategy are so complex that it's hard for people to just be taught it. So the idea of something that's a resource that they could go back to and kind of circle something in or underline it and go back to it, you know, a couple of days later or just when they get sparked and say, "Oh, what was that thing in that book?" Uh, that was the idea of the book. And you know, just this morning I was thinking about brand because uh, I'm an absolute nerd, and that's what I do. And I thought, you know, we treat, a lot of people treat brands. I saw an ad for Maker's Mark. That's what sparked it. And it was an animated ad. And in, in my humble opinion, it's a disaster. It's just way off brand. And I thought, these guys are treating their brand like a prison that they want to escape from. Some creative person was like, no, 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 this should be different than the brand. It should be, it should be in, like, why are we doing a cartoon to sell booze? What is wrong with you? It's crazy. And yeah, I don't like Maker's Mark, so that makes me like it less. You don't like Maker's Mark? Why not? I love sweet. Maker's Mark. I'm a, I'm a bourbon guy, but that's, it's too sweet as a bourbon. It is, it is sweet. I have a sugar thing, so maybe that's why I like it so much. Yeah, yeah. I like the, the ones that kind of like, uh, they, they, they're almost like gasoline. <laughs> like I like the really harsh whiskeys that just kind of like punch you in the mouth. Yeah, I like those too. I, yeah. Whiskey in general, I'm a, I'm a big yeah. fan. Uh, but I was thinking, you know, without a strategy, you're, that's what you're trying to do. You're, you're not, there's no course set and you're just trying to figure out what's the next thing we're going to do as you're in the air. You're trying to figure out what the trick is and you end up with spots like that where it's, or not necessarily spots, but you end up with executions like that where it just doesn't connect to anything else you're doing. 
Well, we're definitely going to put the Maker's Mark uh, animated ad in our show notes because uh, we want people to be able to see that and know exactly what you're talking about. The other thing I think we should put in the show notes is if you could send us that untuck ad or untuck it ad that you were just commenting on uh, a little while ago on your Twitter about how they think it's a really good idea. Do you know the ad that I'm No, I don't. That's the thing. Like, I want to know. But And I love to wear my shirts untucked, but apparently their shirts are a little expensive. So oh, you read you read the whole thread. Yeah, this is you guys were creeping for real on my Twitter. Yeah, we <laughs> it's do funny to see. Yeah, the ad is a weird. Um, do you remember the Folgers incest commercial from a couple years ago where the, the brother comes from? Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, my God. Yes. Okay. Yes. Now that you mention it. Yes. The brother comes home and there's yeah. like that. There's like something going on between them. Yeah, it looks like they're going to get it on and you yeah. can find it on YouTube. And I, I would include those links. This is kind of, it's weird. It seems like the brand was like, we want the, the idea, the tone of that without the incest. So <laughs> it's, a, it's really, they're going for an emotional thing. And I love that, but it just, it's just misses. And I'm like, wait, so they're connecting over the dad untucking his shirt. Like, what are you even talking about? That is not the product. It's so good. It's I wish that the- was an actual meeting. Like that, that could be like an ad for like why you need strategy. It's like they go into the room and like, okay, guys, we want to do the Folgers ad, but with less incest. Oh God. Yeah. I mean, somebody has must've, I'm not the first person to think that I don't think, but tonally it feels like that Folgers ad, but yeah. Well, they did I, I actually can't wait to then see the ad because the funniest thing that could come of this is that if all of us are like, dude, I don't know what you're talking about. And then we just realize that Adam here knows like a really weird dude. Oh yeah, if that's, that's, that's <laughs> no debating that. Well, Adam, you've been a super phenomenal guest on our show, and you and I are clearly brothers from another mother again because mine doesn't really like what I do. Um, but for those <laughs> of you out there who have not yet purchased a copy or reviewed or said nice things about Adam's book, under Think It, it is on Amazon. We'll put the link in the show notes, and um, you should definitely read it. You should definitely uh, let Adam know what you think about it. I can tell you that I know firsthand that his mom really likes it, and she's that's totally, a fact. Yeah. It's a fact. It's absolutely true. So for uh, uh, Caroline and myself, I would like to thank you for being on the show. Uh, do us a favor before we let you go, tell people where they can go and find out about you, your book, where they can connect with you on social, all those sort of good things. Oh yeah. Well, as, as we've discussed, I'm, I'm a heavy user of Twitter. I say ridiculous things, uh, but I stand by 90% of them, 10% of them. I don't just blacked out and didn't remember. So I apologize <laughs> in advance. If you scroll through deep enough, you'll find something horrible. Uh, also LinkedIn, I'm there and, and somewhat active. And then you can go to Santi.com to see more about Santi. And like you said, Underthink it is on uh, Amazon right now and wider distribution coming soon. Solid. And we will put everything necessary into the show notes, including all of these weird ass commercials that we talked about. Adam, thank you so much for coming on the show. I oh thought this God, was a blast. Thank you guys for having me. This was awesome. Yeah, thank you so you much. You and I might share a brain and a sense of humor. Um, but one thing's for certain. And um, if I had to say anything about this particular interaction we've had on this podcast, I guess I would say that this podcast was shareable. There are a couple thank yous and shout outs in order. First, thank you to Ray Bueno for all of that sexy production value. And a quick thank you to me for producing the show. I'd like to send a shout out to DJ Quads for the use of our theme song, Always, and A. Humitsu for the use of our outro song, Adventures. You can follow Jeff on Twitter at Jay Gibbard, and you can follow me at Caroline Tassone. You can follow the show at shareable underscore pod and just shareable podcast on everything else. That's Facebook, the gram, everything. 
You can email us at sharablepodcast at gmail.com. Subscribe to our email list at sharablepodcast.com slash subscribe. Do all the things. Subscribe to the show. Leave us a rating. Review us on iTunes. Tell a friend. Tell your mom. I don't know. She might like it. My mom does. Hey, mom.